Do you find listening to your friends' stories into motherhood uplifting and empowering? Brought to life by maternal health company Ama & Co., Ama Need a Minute provides mothers the space and the minute to share their real and raw experiences as well as their learnings. So pour yourself a glass of wine or tea, throw in that fifth load of laundry for the week that will sit in the dryer, and join in to celebrate, commiserate, and build a new kind of community. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on another episode of Amanita Minute. We're continuing our conversations on miscarriage and loss for the month of October. Today, I have one of my closest friends, Jessica, on the show to share her story. Hi, Jess. Thanks for joining us. I'd love for you to introduce yourself. My name is Jessica. Like you said, I'm one of your really close friends. I'm currently working in the city as a nurse in an orthopedic hospital similar to Jean. I have a five-month-old. Okay, cool. Do you have a partner? Uh, yeah, my husband, uh, Keith. Uh, we've been together for about two years now. I'm married for two years. Been together. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys decide to start trying to have kids? Well, we both knew very early on in dating that we wanted to have children. Things got a little pushed aside because of the pandemic. We were both uh, frontline workers, so we were supposed to get married in 2020, and we were going to start trying right after we got married, but we unfortunately didn't have the wedding that we <laughs> envisioned. And I think by the middle of 2020, we were like, well, COVID's not just a three-week kind of thing like we all thought mm-hmm. it was. So we said it's a bad time that we start trying. Mm-hmm. How was that process for you guys? I think you know, we just when we decided we were going to try, I think it took maybe about two months before we got pregnant. So it wasn't very long. And to me, it seemed really easy the first time because it just happened. Yeah. So how did you feel when you first found out? Uh, I think we were super excited. At that time, um, you were pregnant with Wesley, and my brother was also pregnant with uh, their first child. So I was really excited that, you know, some of the closest people around me, we were going to all have kids together around the same age within months of each other. And I mean, it was just also exciting just to know that we're going to have a child together, that, you know, having children is very important to both of us. Mm -hmm. Did you guys tell... Like, I know you told me, but were there any other people you guys told? I told maybe two other people. Mm -hmm. Did Keith tell anyone? Uh, No, Keith uh, didn't want to tell anybody until... um, Later on. Yeah, later on. Yeah, he he didn't really want me to tell you, but I couldn't not tell you. Can't keep your mouth shut, yeah. No, because you kept on asking all the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I I probably knew your ovulation cycle better than you did. I mean, I know it was COVID time. So I think the policies were very different back then. Like I know for me, Jing wasn't able to go with me to pretty much any appointment at all. Describe for you the first appointment. So yeah, for the first appointment like yours, um, there is no partners or anyone with you. uh, So I had to go alone. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I uh, scheduled my first appointment. I believe it was that eight weeks. It should have been eight weeks. I remember this part pretty vividly, but I'm sure you do as well. That we kind of, I had hyped you up for this moment. I was really excited for your first appointment and I wanted to hear about it after, but 
you know, obviously things didn't go the way that you expected or planned. Can you describe that appointment? It was on a day didn't have work and I was just kind of wrapping up my old position. So I was kind of excited getting back into the city on starting work in the city in a couple of days. And, you know, I was really excited because you did say like, it's so nice, um, awesome to hear the heartbeat and to see, as you described, Harry as a little gummy bear on the ultrasound. So that's kind of something that I was looking forward to. I guess going into the appointment, um, things seemed pretty routine to me. As a healthcare worker, I kind of knew what to expect at the appointment. So, you know, she's, you need a urine sample, some blood samples. You know, the doctor asked me to get onto the bed and undress and do, it was a vaginal ultrasound. Mm -hmm. So things, you know, I got undressed, she put the probe in me. And then she was like real pretty chatty. And then all of a sudden, she was a little bit silent. Mm -hmm. And then she was like, hmm. So being the healthcare provider that I am, I kind of knew something was up. And then she just, uh, she kept on checking. She was like furring her breath. During the ultrasound, she had told me that I could record the process to show Keith since he wasn't in the room so that he could kind of be there. So then she actually had asked me to stop recording. She had told me that that it was a pregnancy, but unfortunately there was no heartbeat. And I asked her, like, are you sure? Because I know that before eight weeks, you may not be able to detect a heartbeat. And I said, oh, is it because maybe I couldn't, didn't calculate mom my period correctly since my period has been off for a while. It's not a regular period. So she said, no, she's sure that the baby doesn't have a heartbeat. And I guess when they were, she was measuring the Mm -hmm. fetus, it was tracking eight weeks. So it should have had a heartbeat. And up until then, you were feeling normal, like you didn't have any spotting or any kind of, you know, weird indication that anything was wrong. Nothing that you would think like this was not a viable pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess when she was telling the, me the news, I was very silent. And um, I think just trying to process everything she was saying, like thinking back, she probably thought I was really emotionless because I wasn't crying. I yeah. really wasn't asking any questions or I guess there was really pretty much no reaction. Yeah, she probably sees the gamut of all emotions though, right? Like there's probably people who have been through it a lot who like have the regular reaction because they've had this happen. And then people who are just like in complete shock. She's probably seen a range of different emotions at that kind of news. Yeah. She did step out and like let me get dressed and before she kind of explained like some of the options that I think it was just a lot for me at the moment to even process like what was going on. Yeah. So what were the options? So in terms of the miscarriage, and I guess I don't want to say like having to deal with the miscarriage, she gave me the option of either having a DNC or taking some medications to 
to medically have an abortion or just kind of let it play out and see what happens, whether or not my body would expel the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So I opted to have a DNC because I know there are chances that if you let your body expel it, it may not completely expel and then you would still need to do a surgical intervention. So I'd rather just make sure it was out. So at that time, it was near New Year's. So I had scheduled something after New Year's because uh, there was nothing coming up on um, the, like, the few, next few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she also explained that I could send out the, I guess, fetus for testing to see if there was like genetic issues. She also explained it was like a variety of reasons why it could have happened. Most likely it was like a chromosomal defect if it's like early on miscarriage. Yeah. Okay. So you opt for the DNC, but that's actually not really what happened. (laughs) No. No, yes. I opted for the DNC. It would have been scheduled like four days after I found out, after that first appointment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what did happen was two days later on New Year's Day, I started, I had dinner and I just started cramping up a lot. My back started hurting and I thought maybe it's because I was sitting all day. You know, there was really not much to do. Um, I didn't go outside. It was cold. I just sat at home. And at this point, you actually haven't told anyone, like besides people that knew you were pregnant already. Correct. So at this point, I had only told four people and it was very unfortunate also because my husband got COVID. Mm-hmm. So right after we found out that we lost our baby, he tests positive for COVID the next day. And this is before, you know, vaccines. So mm-hmm. I had to uh, leave my husband on our apartment and I had to go to my parents' house so that I could quarantine from him because I was also starting my new role um, in a few days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I was at my parents and I had to tell them as soon as I got there that they would have to take me to the doctors for a procedure. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And I had to tell them that, you know, I'm currently miscarried carrying and that I would have to do a DNC and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> what's going on? Like they, it was just really shocking for them too. Yeah. And I feel like that's hard. I mean, you first had to find out the news yourself. Then you had to share it with Keith, who couldn't be at the appointment. Then you had to share it with me because I'm super nosy. And I asked like, you know, literally the same day. (laughs) And then you had to share it with your parents too, right? So I feel like that's such a taxing activity to continue to let people in on that information. Yeah. So I guess right after the appointment, when I left the office, I called Keith immediately. And that's when like the floodgates opened. I was on the street, just hysterical, you know, trying to walk to my car and kind of just process everything. And I believe he was just as in as as much shock as I was about what was going on because you know you're right like this first appointment is really should be like a happy time where you get to see that there is something like growing in you you get to see the pictures and that was just not what happened 
Yeah. And then the fact that you guys had to separate from each other right after pretty much and you didn't really have like the chance to grieve together. Yeah, that was really hard. Even though I was with my parents, it was pretty lonely grieving without Keith and having to worry about Keith with COVID. Right. Unfortunately, he had pretty bad symptoms and he really needed someone to take care of him. And unfortunately, I couldn't be there for him. And I think he felt just as bad because he couldn't be there for me. So it was a pretty tough time, I think, in our relationship. Yeah, and I know we're coming up on that time. So I feel like it's always a time of the year that like you remember that tough point in your life, right? Like just literally everything is going wrong <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I remember like I felt like I wanted to be there, but at the same time, we didn't know your exposure at that point cuz you were with Keith, so I felt like I couldn't physically go there either in case like I brought it home to my house. So it just like was a very isolating experience, I'm sure. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, luckily we were able to talk on the phone with us and our our other two close friends. So that was really, that was nice. It helped me get through it. So you end up miscarrying at your parents and it's like this very bad pain. Can you describe a little bit more of like, that experience of like, you know, kind of realizing you are miscarrying and then what happened? Yeah. So after dinner, I was experiencing more lower back pain and it was pretty much something that I've never experienced before. And I've had pretty bad period cramps. Um, My pain tolerance is pretty high. Um, So I decided to go, just go to sleep. And I did take some Tylenol and my mom had like one of those like heat packs that she gave me to put like on my stomach, which helped, but the pain just kept on coming and it increased in intensity and I really wasn't sure what was going on. I really didn't know that a miscarriage would feel like that. I I mean, I don't know what I was really expecting. I don't, I don't think I knew. But you knew you were miscarrying at that point, right? Like... Or or did you still think it was because you didn't walk around enough that day? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I didn't think it was my body trying to expel the fetus out. You know, at one point, like, my mom, who is also a nurse, she came and she saw how pale I was. Uh-huh. I was in so much pain and I was super pale. She took my blood pressure and it was like super high. My heart rate was like high. And she was like, do you want me to take you to the ER? And at that point, like COVID, it was like kind of the height. of Yeah, it. risky. Yeah. I didn't want to risk getting COVID, just going like sitting in the ER and waiting with these people who are infected with COVID. So I just told my mom, no, I'll just wing it. And it was really weird because I kept on feeling like I had to use the bathroom, like I had to pee a lot. So I kept on going like back and forth to the bathroom like all night long. Yeah. I think probably around four o'clock in the morning. That's when I know that I expelled the fetus out. Yeah. So it's just like if you had a really big, blood clot yeah just came out 
So my OB had said if I wanted to do the testing that I could save it. So she gave me a little specimen cup. (laughs) Did you end up doing the testing? uh, No. So I I did fish out uh, the, I guess, clot (laughs) from the toilet. And I had... I remember you put it in the fridge, like in the back, right? (laughs) Yeah, I put it in a Ziploc bag in the fridge to preserve it because I wouldn't be able to go to the doctor like my DNC appointment for a few days. Yeah. So I did not do the testing because at this point it happened. Like there's nothing. But is it prevent not preventative, but would it be like would they have been able to detect something so they would know if this could happen again in the future? So with that day of my appointment, they drew a lot of blood for like the genetic testing. So she did that. And then she also gave me a kit to um, test Keith, like a saliva kit. Uh-huh. But at that point, because we were separated, he didn't get to do it. And I, she got my results to say that like, for me, I didn't have any genetic markers that would indicate anything. So like, I'm not a carrier for anything. Yeah. So even if Keith had something, he would, it would be okay. Okay, so you go through a lot of pain, you finally pass or yeah, pass the fetus. Did the pain go away like immediately? Were you like back to normal physically <laughs> right after? I mean, I was still bleeding. It was it's like having a period. Like if you could imagine like your worst period times, I want to say like 10 with the pain, the back pain. Yeah. But afterwards it was fine. I was probably a little bit sore because of all the cramping. Cramping, yeah. And your mom made you go through the postpartum healing. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Chinese. So we had like the 30 or 40 day confinement, and I had a modified one for the miscarriage. Mm-hmm. She was pretty strict on no showering, um, <laughs> uh, no lifting anything. I had to drink a lot of soups and stuff. Yeah. So when you finally were reunited with Keith, what did you guys do? Did you like talk about it? Like how, what was that experience like? Yeah, we did talk about it. We definitely cried. And I guess at this point when I reunited with Keith, it was already a week and a half after it happened. So yeah, I was starting a new job. So I was kind of like, I really kind of almost like put it in the back burner. Seeing Keith, it's it was like sad for both of us. Yeah. Because it's like the what could have been. Yeah. When did you guys feel ready to try again? Uh, so I did ask the doctor um, during my shock phase at the appointment, I asked her when we could start trying again. And she said pretty much you could try right after your first period. Did your mom say anything? Was she like, don't do this so early? Yeah, my mom was definitely like, you need to let your body heal. You shouldn't even think about trying for another like six months to a year. And I was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I am a bit older. So if we want to have multiple kids, I really need, I need to get on it like three years before. (laughs) Right. Or you should just done twins. I mean, they do run in my family, but it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, okay, so you guys decide to try and march. How would you say your morale was? Were you guys like, all right, like, let's do this. It's going to be great. Or were you guys like more cautiously optimistic? Like, yeah, what was the vibe at that point? I think we just kind of want to just get to the goal. And our goal was to have a child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very goal oriented. I just want to get to the goal no matter how or to get there. I just need to get there. So, you know, and I think Keith, he was also ready and we just kind of wanted to be positive about this happening. You know, what's happened has happened. We can't change the past. So yeah, we just kept on trying, but it took us a while before we actually got pregnant again. And, you know, after a couple months, it did get a little bit defeating Because, you know, it's like, why is this not working so easy the first time when we were trying? So I thought that, you know, it would be just as easy. Why would it be hard? Mm -hmm. But that's not how (laughs) the body works. So yeah, I believe we probably tried for about six months. And we were at this point, we were like, maybe we should just not try so hard. Because it kind of seemed like a chore. Mm hmm. Did you have him try ginseng? I did. So one of our other friends told me that they got pregnant when her husband kept on drinking ginseng. So when she had told me, she was she recommended it to me. And I was like, oh, Keith, drink this. And this is when we were trying to get pregnant the first time. So I gave it to him. So he did, like, you know, he drank it. And magically, we did get pregnant. Yeah. So the second time he did that too? or. Not yet. The second time he didn't do it until, I guess, after like six months. I was like, nothing's working. Drink some more ginseng. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think it was the summertime. And he's like, this is so hot. <laughs> Drinking hot ginseng. <laughs> well, I think that what you said about like not trying so hard actually is the key for some couples because I find that when parents decide to like not stress about it and not follow like timelines and stuff so much like that's usually the month that it happens I don't think I knew if you guys were trying yet and I I think I didn't want to ask if you guys were trying yet but just seeing you guys like going out like having sushi all the time like drinking and I was like oh they're definitely trying they're definitely gonna start trying soon because I was like they're trying to get it all out of their system (laughs) and then they're gonna try again that was my perspective from like the third party I mean yeah I think at that point or just like it did become like a chore like for that week where you can conceive it just started becoming a chore and it was pretty stressful on both of us. So we did say like, you know, if it happens, it happens. And at this point, I think it's like August, the end of August. And I am calling my OB to see if I should uh, look into like fertility, like a fertility doctor. And she did say like, you know, you really haven't been trying like for too long, but because of your age, if this is something you really want to do, here's a few doctors I'll recommend to you. Mm -hmm. So I got the list of doctors and I would look them up and I had one that I wanted to reach out to. I was going on vacation. So I said, let me 
um, do this when I come back from vacation. And then lo and behold, we were pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't have to go see the doctor. When did you realize that you were pregnant? I had missed my period maybe for like a day or two. And and then I was like, oh, let me just take a test. And this is right after my birthday. And we went out for a lot of sushi and a lot of drinks. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Let me just try. Like, we'll see. And I had some like expire tests. So I did two of those expire tests and then it said positive but I was like eh, it's expired it's probably not working <laughs> and then I did like a real the clear blue one and then the expensive test uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it, it takes like a couple minutes so I went back to bed <laughs> and then I think like half an hour later Keith went to the bathroom I was like oh He's like, you're pregnant. I was like, no, I'm not. Wait, so did you tell him you were taking the test or you just took it and didn't say anything? Yeah, no, I told him I was going to take the test and he's like, sure. But like at this point, I've also been taking tests like randomly and, you know, (laughs) and, you know, nothing happened. So he's just like, okay, sure. So he went to the bathroom. He's like, you're pregnant. I was like, yeah, the cheap test said I was pregnant. He yeah. was like, no, the real test said you're pregnant too. <laughs> we were happy, but I think we were definitely also super cautious, just knowing that, you know, it is positive, but it might not be the outcome that we would like. So definitely this time, we didn't really tell anybody Was Keith able to go with you to the first appointment? Yeah. So this time he was able to go with me to the first appointment. He just had to be fully vaccinated, which he was at the time. I may have ruined Keith's experience just because I know I was really hesitant and nervous. Mm. Just remembering like not even a year ago what happened to me the first time I went. So it's definitely really apprehensive and we actually we went back into the same exam room. So when I saw that it was the same exam room, I told Keith, I'm like, I'm really scared. I don't know. Like, and he's like, no, 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 it's going to be fine. And like, he was like, he was a good cheerleader. But I think I like, because I was so nervous, like he kind of couldn't be like that excited. Yeah, he was like, focus on you. You know, it was the same thing a urine sample, blood sample, a vaginal ultrasound. And when she was doing the ultrasound, you know, it's just like flashbacks of what happened the first time, you know, but then she was like, I have really happy news and good news. We were able to see a heartbeat and we saw the baby and she was healthy and growing. As soon as she like stuck the probe in, like we could hear the heartbeat. Yeah, and I think Keith even, like, had a tear. Yeah, Jen cried. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> how was, I mean, how was the pregnancy overall? I just, I have my perspective just going through that journey with you, but I felt like you were a little hesitant to celebrate the pregnancy. I think even up until, like, 30-something weeks, like, every time I went to the doctor, I was just really nervous that it would be bad news. Even though everything was really healthy, the doctor assured me it was a healthy pregnancy. 
I was just anxious and nervous that this may not stick. So yeah, I definitely didn't want to celebrate as much because I didn't want to get my hopes up and the people around me, their hopes up of having a baby. Which I know it's hard because I know you definitely wanted to celebrate this. This should be a really happy moment. But I think for me, just knowing that there's a possibility that this may not happen, you know, kind of pulled me back from really celebrating. Yeah. Do you feel like you hold yourself back from celebrating for yourself, for Keith, or for like the people around you, like your parents? A little bit of everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's hard when you experience that loss the first time. You know, you always think of like what could happen. Like we thought that we would have our kids like months of each other and we would do like certain things and, you know, just kind of not that I, not that I let you down or let like any of our plans down, but it's just, it's hard to kind of be that bearer of bad news. Yeah. We waited until we got like all the testing done to make sure we didn't have any, or the baby didn't have any genetic issues before we told both of our parents. Yeah. Yeah, so at this point, I really didn't tell anybody except for, like, you. And then I did tell my <laughs> brother because uh, I was visiting my brother. And he had to keep a secret. And that's really hard for him because we both had really big doubts. What do you feel, like, helped you get through that first miscarriage? I think just uh, my friends and family being there and talking to me. Do you think about the baby still? The first baby? I think definitely when I was pregnant with Maddie, I definitely thought about the first baby. Definitely around like the New Year's time, it was really sad. Even though like everything was going really well with the current pregnancy, I couldn't help but think about what would happen, like what could have happened. Right. And what is kind of interesting is so the first pregnancy we would have been born like around August of 2021. And that's kind of when we conceived Maddie. Mm. So, you know, you've always said like, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, So, you know, just thinking about that, like, you know, we lost a baby, but we are bringing in a new baby. Yeah. Our little rainbow baby. This is a difficult time, but I do think it made us stronger as a couple having this loss, like overcoming that plus COVID and not being with each other really made us stronger. So, you know, things just happen and we just have to roll with the punches. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for telling your story today. You and Keith have faced a lot of adversity in your relationship, you know, first with canceled weddings and postponed weddings and now this story and I think your commitments to each other have really made your story beautiful and like you said just a better stronger bond with him so thank you so much for coming on and thank you to our listeners who have tuned in for this episode even though I feel I was alongside Jessica in her first pregnancy and miscarriage this was the first time I felt the license to ask more about the emotional journey This podcast has been a vehicle for me to be more in tune with my circle of mothers and their stories. I hope this podcast can help you break the ice on these conversations with those dear to you. For more information on all things maternal health, postpartum, and motherhood, 
please check out www.amaandco.com. Follow us on Instagram or join our Facebook group. See you next time.